I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That was good for five years. And then since um, after that, I focus on web analytics. So because I'm, I'm already doing delivering traffic. And I'm also analyzing traffic. So I said, why don't I just focus on analyzing the data directly so I can, you know, um, advise the business or the team. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with the founder of Suburbs Finder, Gilbert Melgar. With 20 years of experience in the field of data analytics, he's no stranger to the relevance and power of data. His journey from the Philippines to Australia is filled with stories of the ups and downs when he moved here and when the property bug bit him. family man himself, Melgar keeps his daily priorities in check by balancing life and work. Well, I'm still um, um, working in the corporate world. Yeah, I, my, we have uh, me and my wife. My wife is an accountant. Uh, my, uh, we have three girls, uh, age three, seven, and ten. So it's uh, it's a really full, <laughs> full, um, busy household. And yeah, typically on a normal day, you know, still working from home. I'm still um, lucky enough to be able to do that while looking after um, the kids when they're, when they're not in school and doing the regular job. But mostly after that, I'm really into looking at the data in terms of property investments. That's great. And, and what's your sort of um, background in the data space? Like, Is there specific industries related to property or is it a completely different space that you're in working for? It's a completely uh, different space. Yeah, I've started um, doing um, search engine optimization way back in 2002, even before SEO was a term. So I'm doing, um, I'm making websites rank on Google, Yahoo, Bing during that time. And then um, in relation to that, I'm analyzing uh, data as well. So uh, around 2006, uh, I've focused more on web analytics. So, you know, so I started on making the websites rank on search engine. And then so I'm delivering traffic to the website and then I'm analyzing those traffic what are they clicking on? How can we generate more revenue for the business? So yeah, that's how that's those are the data that I'm analyzing. With the longing for the past, Melga opens a window to how his life looked like in the Philippines before moving to Australia in 2011. Born and raised in Manila, Philippines, and so we have uh, one sibling. Uh, mom and dad are just uh, we're in the middle. Um, 
this uh, middle class family or working class family and yeah graduated uh, with a degree of um, I don't know if you're gonna say I'm a numbers guy but I, it just happened that I was able to to finish uh, um, Bachelor of Science in mathematics oh awesome wow okay I'll have to delve into a little bit about that shortly but Gilbert, I'm, I'm really curious, uh, I guess, as you said, you, you grew up and, and raised in Manila in the Philippines. Um, and uh, obviously, your parents are working class, as you said. Uh, are they still living in the Philippines at the moment or have they also, also migrated here as well? They're still all living in the Philippines. It's just me and my wife that moved here. Now, as a father to three young children, Melga welcomes the opportunity to reminisce about his own childhood. He shares fond memories of what it was like growing up in the Philippines, from attending classes at 7 o'clock in the morning to living with six people at a boarding school. It's just the way that you can you know, freely play on the streets with, you know, you, you, know, uh, you know, everyone in the street, every kid on the street, you know them, the parents, you know, that, that you can just freely um, play um, at any time of the day in the street without being... Um, getting hit by a car or being <laughs> run over or being taken by strangers and all because you know, because uh, everyone knows everyone before right? back in the day and I think that's one of the most uh, thing and there's no I would say there's no gadgets during that time so you get you, you really get to spend most of your time outside the house I do like sport and I used to play also, you know, being uh, Philippines mostly uh, influenced by by Western countries, specifically um, America. So it's um, number one sport there would be basketball. So everyone, ev- everyone, you know, during their school acti- or sports school activity, everyone's playing basketball, even the girls. Primary school was uh, was the near school that uh, where we lived in. But um, I, it's just so happened you know, that I was able to uh, get accepted to a better school for secondary or during high school. That's why I moved away from my parents because the commute thing is, you know, during that time, it's traffic is horrible back then, even even now, or it, <laughs> it got it got more worse. Right? So. Um, just traveling, because um, back then, just traveling uh, on a 20-kilometer distance, it will take you a good, uh, I would say, two hours to get there during that time. So so class starts at 7 a.m. And um, yeah, that early. Class starts at 7 a.m. all the way to 3 o'clock. And then, um, yeah, and so from where I live, uh, if if I continue traveling, it I need to leave around or wake up five o'clock and then leave around five thirty, right? To make it to the set to the to make it to the morning class seven a.m. Yeah. So what I did is uh, I just went to to boarding school. So boarding school there is totally different here. Boarding school here is more expensive. <laughs> Their boarding school there is sort of like. Um, you're there's six of you in one big room yeah yeah it's a shared dorm yeah that's how you call it it's like a three double decks or three bunk beds it just so happened that the the dorm that's managing uh 
the dorm that I was staying uh, is being managed by uh, one of my grandmothers. As a young man in the throes of life, navigating growing pains and the hard work a student's day-to-day entailed, Melgar gives us a glimpse into his life as a student in Manila in the 90s. Most of the schools are in the metropolitan area in a time, so we live in a suburbs area. So if, if you're spending one hour and a half going to school and then you'll spend another an hour and a half going home, so basically three hours of your day just goes to commute. That's right. It's almost like as though you're going to work because you think about it, you know, except actually, you know, yeah, you probably have the same hours of work except just starting much earlier. You know, it sounds like a nine to five except you're starting seven to three. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite understand. Why, so, why, why is the school system so long there or, or the hours? <laughs> you have eight subjects right? and each subject is an hour. Wow. They really do push a lot of education then, I guess, in that side because... Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's very interesting that the different, um, I guess, cu- uh, countries and, and different uh, cultures have a lot more emphasis on that. I mean, in Australia, kids probably start at nine and finish at three and that's already more than enough for them and they get tired. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, do you remember much of that or was it because um, you pretty much spent majority of your time at school then. Did you get, go back on the weekends to see your family, your uh, parents? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I go back during the weekends, but sometimes if I if I'm swamped with uh, uh, homeworks and all, sometimes I just I just don't. They, they're they're the ones who just visit me. Yeah. And what were your parents doing in terms of work? My dad uh, used to be a sea uh, seafarer, so he works on the cruise ships, you know. And and my dad uh, used to be a um, in admin clerk in one of the offices. Uh, Mom used to be a office clerk in admin stuff, yeah. In deciding what undergraduate degree to take, Melgar was a forward thinker who ultimately considered which path would land him a good job after graduation. I really didn't like uh, programming during that time, but it just so happened that, you know, during that time I was thinking, oh, 1997, 2001, everyone's talking about the Y2K bug. During that time, right? Everyone's talking about it. I was like, oh, well, what, what course can I, can I do? Well, what type of job? So I was like, oh, okay, I'll get, I'll get programming a crack so that at least, you know, when I graduate 2001, at least, you know, I can get a job some, somewhere in IT and what. But after graduating, um, it, it was hard getting a job, you know. I was, um, I was um, unemployed for a year. Yeah, during that time. So you graduated back in 2001, did you say? Yeah, yeah. How long was your course for then? Four years. He continues to share the name of his school and gives more insight on where his focus on his studies eventually led him. The University of uh, St. Thomas or Santo Tomas, the way we call it. So by that time, were you still boarding around that area or did you go back home and, and travel? I just travel during that time because um, I'm... Yeah, the the class there is more flexible enough. What were you doing during that time? Did you do any Did you do any part time work as well? I just fully focused on uh, on uh, my studies during that time. Yeah, that's great. And then when you finished your university degree, then you went out to look for a job. And you, as you said, you had graduated with mathematics, or did you start? Yeah, but were you looking at going into computers initially? I went into uh, into um, IT um, industry. 
Coming up after the break, we'll learn more about a business venture he never imagined he'd be in. I'm 20, what, 21, 22 during that time, part owner of a rave club. So yeah, living the dream. How he found himself using the powerful potential of SEO. I, I remember I made a one of the most um, revenue generating sites of mine during that time was uh, Paris Hilton website. How he eventually ended up in Australia after building his corporate career in the Philippines. I visited Australia prior to that uh, for a um, client meeting and I was like, oh, okay, this is looks like a really uh, nice place to live in, especially when you're raising a family. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sharm and you're listening to Property Investory. With a degree in mathematics, Melgar faced his post-university years with determination to succeed. But that doesn't mean to say he didn't have his share of run-ins with challenges when he started looking for a job. My major is computer science, so that's why I'm to program program right away. So, but I was, I had an option or I had an opportunity uh, to teach, uh, but I said, ah, oh, that's not. I don't think I'll last that long. <laughs> It was a really a challenge during that time, but here's the thing: you, you would, I guess, you would be shocked when I tell you this. So during that time, I didn't have, I didn't have a job. I was trying to, you know, trying to uh, having a hard time uh, getting uh, landing a gig. So instead of that, I uh, just um, asked for my savings from my parents to, I'll just uh, in. Put up a business or invest it somewhere right while I look for a job and it just so happened that um, um, my friends um, invited me because they're going to renovate their um, their bar and they want a silent uh, investor and yeah that's that's where i put my money and yeah, you'll be surprised the bar is not a typical pub but it was a rave club so you know i'm 20 what, 21, 22 during that time, part owner of a rave club. So yeah, living the dream. What did you have to do being a, a part owner? Did you need to do any sort of hands-on help or you just put your money in there and then just let them you know, run the job? Yeah, we just put our money in there because you know, uh, as a silent partner, uh, we, there are actually nine major partners who's running the business and uh, each partner got their own silent uh, partners. So we... we just 18 of us with just our group of friends, pack is always full. Melgar continues on and lifts the curtain on what opportunities opened up and the takeaways he learned from the business venture. It was actually good, it did well, uh, it did go well, except for the, you know, were always on, the place is always on the news because of the fights and happening <laughs> and all, and you know, other, uh, other not so good uh, publicities uh, during that time, but yeah, we I was able to learn a lot of uh, good things as well. Well, the takeaway is um, you know if 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 you're doing a proper chair, you know, don't spend it right away. <laughs> Save it, right? <laughs> so instead of instead of saving it, my my proper chair just go to my tab. Oh, <laughs> enjoying life, living it up. 
Yeah, yeah. But you're still young, which I think that was, uh, you know, a, a thing that I think we all need to go through in order to be able to experience what it's like in life because you only live that life once. And the good thing with that is I was able to meet a lot of interesting people, people running their own business, people who's running, uh, have, have a job in, in IT, people have, who has a good uh, position in, in the companies. And that's where I've um, met a guy who's um, doing SEO during that time. While he was already a part owner of a successful rave club, Melgar made sure not to pass up the chance to smartly use SEO to his advantage and generate more income on the side. It lasted for almost three years. Yeah. So we really did a good run. And during that, in the middle of that, I, was, I met that guy um, you know, doing SEO, but he didn't know that what he's doing is SEO because what he did during that time, he's making money out of making celebrity fan sites. Right? How, are you, how are you making money out of celebrity fan sites? And, I was, and then he showed me, I'm, I'm making money through being an affiliate, you know, all these pop-up ads during that time, right? So he's getting paid for that. It was easy, so easy to rank on certain keywords during that time. Yeah, yeah. So that's how it, it all started. Uh, okay, uh, I think I can do that. And, you know, me being a, a background on computer science, I did my own, created all fan sites, did HTML and Notepad and run it. So all the, all the celebrities that I can can think of created a fan sites <laughs> and put put in pop-up ads I, I remember you know what i made a one of the most um, revenue generating sites of mine during that time was uh, paris hilton website building up his experience and his connections with the rave club and his seo related work on celebrity fan sites he soon ventured to start his corporate career while the rave club is the launch, so that's what I'm doing. And um, after that, um, I decided, okay, Great Club's still there. I decided, okay, the fan sites are here. I was like, since I met or already have connections in the corporate world, I reached out to them and, you know, they connected me, pointed me to the right people. I still went to the job interview and was luckily enough to you know, finally start um, my uh, corporate journey. I became an affiliate uh, program specialist. So, yeah, so it was really in line to what I'm doing with the fan sites. So when I'm doing the fan sites, I'm sort of like the affiliate, right? So now the job that I got is the one in the middle, being the affiliate specialist or the affiliate program specialist dealing with the affiliates and dealing with the publishers. So I did that for a year and I said, ah, okay. And then um, uh, one of my boss told me, hey, we're, we're opening up a, a role for an SEO. You want to give it a crack? I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And, you know, I'm working for um, a back office, uh, a U.S. office, which is a back office in Manila. So that's where I got really trained well because the SEO competition during that time already in the US is already, I would say, competitive. 
because they're already you know, 2000, they're already running, or e-commerce is already booming on their end. They're already running their own um, AdSense, you know, pay-per-click marketing, and all of this. Um, they're running Google Analytics. Google Analytics was still new during that time. Yeah, that's really interesting. And what kind of company was this? They're a direct reseller of Pat products, Apple products. Yeah. Oh, Apple. Oh, wow. That would have been even better. Technology. So it was technology and, um, you know, combine that with SEO, it sort of, you know, was ranking, especially I think at that point, a lot of people were doing a lot of reviews on, on YouTube as well too. YouTube was still new during back then. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So... So pretty much a lot of it was based on the website. So people were coming through the website to, to purchase yeah, the Mac products. You know, when they type in um, Mac specifically, like Mac products or Mac laptop, you know, we make the company website appear on the first, second, and third um, rank listings of organic search results in Google. And, you know, that's where the traffic comes in. That's where the revenue comes in. With all hands on deck in his corporate career, Melgar's journey for the next few years in this space led him to work on different companies, learning more about data and web analytics. That was good four or five years. And then since um, after that, I focused on web analytics. So because I'm, I'm already doing, um, um, I'm delivering traffic and I'm also analyzing traffic. So I said, like, why don't I just focus on analyzing the data directly so I can, you know, um, advise the business or the team. This is where the revenue is coming in. This is where the traffic's coming in. This is how the users are behaving inside the websites. This is how we should optimize to increase more revenue. Excellent. Wow, that is a cool role to be in because then you're, you're not only taking the data, you're able to recommend. And then I assume that they'll probably just hire more people to do the implementation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. And uh, I guess were you in that same company for that period of time as well while you're analyzing data or you went out to do something else with different company? I just went there for like a year and then I moved to different companies. As Melga built his career in the corporate space in the Philippines, he found himself hearing the siren call of Australia. Because it just so happened that the client, when I moved here, that the client that I was working for uh, used to be based here in Sydney. So I just continued working for them as an offshore uh, resource for a, for a month. And then, um, yeah, and then um, I started looking for a job here. I visited Australia prior to that uh, for a um, client meeting. And I was like, oh, okay, this is looks like a really uh, nice place to live in, especially when you're raising a family. So <clears throat> my wife and I, who's just, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend during that time said, oh, okay, we can try um, no, Australia. And then we said, said, okay, let's just give it a crap. We applied as uh, independent skilled migrant. And um, you know, we submitted our papers or requirements. And uh, after six months, uh, we got the visa. And we didn't know that the visa that was given to us is already a permanent resident because of our skill set. Because what we did is instead of me applying as the direct um, applicant, uh, we decided to be 
her as the main applicant because she's an accountant. And we, during that time, accountant is one of the in-demand list occupations. Wow, congrats on that. That's exciting. So did you have a job lined up before you came before you came to Australia? I just continued working as a resource, as an offshore resource for that. And then while I'm working for, for, for them, um, so after work, you know, I started looking for a job here. So the transition was, I guess, we're, we're, we can say we're lucky that uh, we didn't experience uh, having a hard time getting a job here. Because when, when we got here, was my wife, actually, when we got here after two days, she already had a job. Yeah, and because she's working for a, multi, a global company, so the one uh, that they have office here, once they found out that she's moving here, they just offered her a job. What was that transition like? Because it's a new country, new culture. Uh, was it yeah, a shock to the system or, or you just went, okay? It was a bit shocked to the system uh, at first because, um, you know, first, you know, the weather is different. Second, it's, you know, we're used to talking American English and in here it's like British accent or you know, Australian accent. It's totally hard to understand at first. Like what we're saying? <laughs> it's like eating their words, you no? Know? But yeah, I got used to it. And then um, everything uh, closes early. And then I uh, eventually um, you know, got used to it and then realized, ah, this is a really nice, nice place. Gilbert Melgar's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. He reveals the aha moment that hooked him to finally dive into property investing. I was like, how are they able to do that? And they're under their 30s. That's the time that I became curious about it. What and where he is and his wife's first property was? We bought one for 595. So we just, you know, we just save, uh, we were able to save. Um, 10% of that. He shares some of the key lessons he's learned as a migrant from a third world country investing in property in Australia. But there's one question they're going to, if you ask them, they're just going to say, do your own research, <laughs> right? If you ask them, so where's, where's, the, where's, the, where's the perfect place to buy? Do your own research. And that's next time on Property Investory. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.